Welcome to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast where we talk about anything and everything family law related. Welcome to another episode of Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast with me, Alex, and my colleague and friend, Liza. Morning, Liza. Good morning, Alex. Today, we're going to start off by talking about short relationships in family law. So, over to you. Well, short relationships, what is that exactly? Is it a two-year relationship? Is it a five-year relationship? What do you think, Alex? Well, I'd say that anything under five years is a short relationship. Yeah, you're probably right. I'd probably think that even getting up to six years and things like that, you might be getting into that territory of it being still fairly short in the scheme of things. Yeah, and what's the importance of whether it is a short, medium or long-term relationship when we're talking about family law? Well, it's all to do with your contributions that you make. I think I've skipped ahead. But anyway, we're going to deal with contributions a bit later in this episode. We'll come back to contributions, but But what we wanted to talk about is... When you're trying to divide up money, the property that you've got with your ex-partner, but it's an ex-partner of a limited duration, so it's somebody that you've only been together with for two to five, maybe six years, those sort of short relationships, how does the court treat those any differently to somebody who's, say, been together with a partner for a few decades? Well, the partner from a few decades has a lot of time to make a lot of um, effort, put a lot of financial effort into the relationship. So... Realistically, you've got um, they've got to look a lot more carefully at what each party has done during that time. What whether they've one party sat on their hands and had um, a, a really good time along the way, or is it that they've both chipped in, made a good go of it? That's really what the court's looking at. Okay, so when we're talking about the courts looking at those sorts of things, that's from a way of uh, kind of from a place of trying to weigh up the importance of everybody's contributions so that's about the money that they brought into the relationship and getting that money back it is it's it's not just the money but there are other types of contributions but the most part in sport in short relationships you're dealing with money okay and that means all sorts of things that are valued that means houses it means super it means everything it means all their assets all their bits and pieces that are lying around the house um, there's some valuable artworks that might be um, up for grabs. It might, it's anything that they own. And so how does that work then? With a short relationship, if, you, if you're together with somebody for just a couple or three or four years and then you go your separate ways, nobody's fault, it just didn't work out, wh- why would that person have a claim on your property? Or would they? Well, it depends really on what they brought in. Okay. Um, it, at the end of the day... The court has to make an will only make an order that's going to be just and equitable. So we spoke about that last week about these four steps of um, working out whether or not there's really a need to alter the property interests of the parties. And um, when you're looking at whether or not a court is going to adjust the interests of a, of parties to a short relationship, they, you've still got to look at whether or not it's going to be a just and equitable um, division at the end of the day. And if it's, you know, if one person comes into the relationship with, say, um, with a million-dollar unit unencumbered, um, a couple of cars, a heap of super, and the other party's there for a couple of years and hasn't really done too much, well, 
is it really fair for that other party to receive half their assets just for their um, for them being in that relationship for such a small amount of time? That's what the court's going to look at. I suppose the perspective of each of the parties is going to be very different about that. Well, um, you, you mentioned a couple of years then. So short relationships where the court might be prepared to make a property division that's just unequitable. Is there a period of time that's too short? Well, usually anything that's under two years is going to be too short um, unless there's a child involved. If there's a child, then you may be still entitled to something. Mm. But that won't be on a contributions basis. That's usually more from a future needs perspective. And we were talking about that last week um, when it came to um, the things like whether someone has the care and responsibility of a child under 18. So parties will need to um, assess whether or not that that there is a child that is going to, um, I wouldn't say be a problem for them financially, but as we both know, you've got kids, I've got kids, children are problems financially. So the, the more um, likely result is that if there are children to the relationship, then the duration of the relationship isn't going to be as much of a question for the court as to whether or not it's still an appropriate um, reason to divide the assets so it be- and adjust those interests. much less about what people have chipped in financially and more about looking into the future. So there's a, a certain amount of crystal ball gazing that needs to go on while working out a short relationship, even a very short relationship, whether it's a child or children, because you've got to work out what those parenting arrangements are going to look like and how that could impact upon both you know, both parents. And that's right. And that's, that's where you actually get a lot of people um, trying to play, you know, they'll use their children as a as a bargaining chip um, to try and score a, a higher amount um, on a property settlement. But in terms of um, going going with the the short relationship um, of say two years, you'd be hard pressed to get any real property adjustment uh, assuming there was no kids. Um, above and beyond what you actually put in to so, the relationship. So like a restitutional approach, yeah, if I, I use that ghastly so. word from, from contract law, where you put people back to where they started as much as you can. Yeah, I think, um, I think though, that there are a lot of um, ulterior motives. I don't know about you, but some of the most interesting cases and the most difficult cases that we, we find are short relationship cases. Um, and that's because there's a lot of emotion and it's usually ended pretty quickly um, by one party who doesn't want the relationship to be over because it's only just begun um, and there's a lot of bitterness that's involved. Um, what do you think, Alex? What Do you, what, well, do you find uh, yeah. them difficult to run? Those, those, yeah, those short relationship cases where there is a child involved are difficult matters because necessarily it's a short relationship so it's a very young child which means that these people who have separated sometimes in very quick and acrimonious circumstances, they find themselves you know, kind of warring with one another and really angry at the breakup. And then the dawning reality of having to parent together for another 16, 17 years or something like that, then you've got to build into that one person's needing money to be able to continue looking after the child. And they might not be the person that brought any money into the relationship. So the, the other parent might feel aggrieved. They are very difficult cases. Um, and you can't really put them all together. You have to deal with everything on their own nuances. So you know, even though the facts might seem similar from case to case, you, you look through the cases and you know the ones that you've dealt with yourself. What's best for one couple is going to be very different to another. Somebody might need a, a 
you know, a period of time where they need some spousal maintenance to get themselves back on their feet if they haven't worked for a little while. They might have had a dynamic in their relationship whereby one parent does all of the work for the child and they're going to continue doing that. They're going to need some further funds out of the property settlement. And just to be clear, so spousal maintenance, that's um, an option for people even if they have had a short relationship? It can be an option. I think it's a little less likely that you're going to persuade a judge um, or a court that it's appropriate to make an order of spousal maintenance. But it depends. You know, it's a two-pronged test for spousal maintenance. It's do I need it and can you afford it? That's a very simplifi- simplified version of how the courts approach it, but that's it in its essence. So the fact that it's a short relationship wouldn't automatically preclude spousal maintenance, but it would make it, I think, fundamentally more unlikely because a person hasn't put their career on hold for a decade or two decades or something like that. They, don't, they ought not to re-establish themselves. They ought not to need those training that you would otherwise need. And so when we're talking about short relationships, um, one of the things that I find quite challenging, um, because as we know, lawyers aren't really a mathematical mind, mm. and is it's often a very strict mathematical exercise in a way of going through those bank statements and keeping all those records for parties and and assessing the actual breakdown of who paid for what. Because in a lot of those cases where you have um, parties that have been together for, say, 20 years, you're unlikely to have to go through that exercise of who paid for these groceries and who paid for what. How do you find um, going through that process? Dealing with shorter relationships. With short relationships. Well, shorter relationships, well, we live in this current age when you can get a lot of information fairly simply compared to you know, rolling ourselves back, we're both long in the tooth to remember like 20 years ago and having to get paper bank statements and things like that. These days it's relatively straightforward to be able to contact your financial institutions and get copies of your statements going back a few years electronically. And those can be swapped about. So it's easier to get the information, but people are often very reluctant to deliver it. We're getting into another area here, disclosure, which we'll probably talk about as a whole other topic one day. Um, but that's the obligation you've each got to give each other your full and frank financial details what your circumstances are that can mean some crawling over bank statements and certainly with a short relationship it is possible not always desirable but it's more possible to do a forensic breakdown as to almost exactly what you came into the relationship with what you spent during that relationship what you earned during that relationship and any other gifts and things that you got and then where you finished at the end of it you can look at you know both parties' situations like that. And it's easier to find that information and to go through that process with short relationships. You're quite right. A 20-year or long relationship, it, it merges, it mingles, and I don't think many people keep their records going back that long. Uh, and I don't think it would be very desirable to do that anyway. It's, although that, you know, there are long relationships in which the courts find it's not just unequitable to make any kind of property adjustments, there, you know, there was a case on the Gold Coast a few years ago of a same-sex couple who kept their finances entirely different from one another and had very different investment sort of patterns and habits and, and financial futures planned. When the court was asked to intercede and make a, an, an adjustment order, it declined. It said, no, 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 these people have kept their finances separate for years. Why would we interfere with that? So, it, you know, again, everything falls on its own facts. It's a, it's a very nuanced area of law in terms of the length of the relationship it's absolutely a factor you've got to think about when you, you know, you're assessing a matter with a client, but it's not going to be determinative. It could be a three-year relationship when everybody's thrown everything in together at the very start, 
bought houses, invested in businesses, and you know the financial fortunes. You know they, they fly under or they or they charge on together, and you have to deconstruct that for what it is. Arben Legal is proud to sponsor Split Happens. You will be in safe hands with Arben Legal. For all your family law needs, call us on 07 or visit our website at arbanlegal.com.au. So when we're talking about these short relationships in the court system, um, there's been a lot of talk lately about um, cases being kicked down the line as having uh, lesser priority. Um, what has been your experience lately in terms of getting the court's attention, particularly when we're dealing with a short relationship in a property matter? Uh, well, the courts are highly pressured. I'm not going to say anything at first about the courts. The, the judges and the people that work in the court system... Probably the smartest thing you've said all day. It's, it's the only smart thing I'll <laughs> say all day. Um, they are under colossal amounts of pressure and there are, there's pressures on their time, there's pressures on their resources. Now, naturally, there will be uh, some form of prioritisation of difficult cases and, frankly, the most difficult cases are the ones dealing with children, children who are at risk, for example. So those cases will be dealt with as a priority. That will mean that financial cases without elements of great urgency to them, when people are just getting on and living their ordinary lives, they are not going to be as prioritised as something dealing with young children. That's just, the matter, that's just the matter of the fact. The issues, I suppose, that I'm experiencing are about getting parties to a settlement process fairly early on. Now, you know and I know that. We work in an environment where the courts and all the rules uh, and practicality tells you you've got to do your level best to settle these cases before they get to court. But if they do get into a court process, maybe it's to save a, a limitation period or something like that. But those cases will be referred to some form of dispute resolution process. Now, it might be a private mediation or it might be a court family dispute resolution event like a conciliation conference, which is just a... You know, old-fashioned expression just meaning it's kind of a court-led mediation. That'll happen sooner rather than later, and it's always a good idea before you get to even that stage to have swapped offers about, because if you find that you're pretty close, I'll be, adv- I'll be advising my client to compromise. You, know, you, you don't spend $20,000 to chase down a difference of $20,000. It, it makes no sense at all. That's right. And the, the other thing too um, I think parties have to remember is that we're dealing usually with a finite amount up for grabs it's a short relationship so <coughs> you can only really look at it for those periods of, of time when the parties were together in that relationship so it's not like there's a chance there for them to try and make up a bit of ground on on the non-financial side of things or um, some other issues in terms of um, you know violence those domestic violence matters whereby you can you can argue that um, oh, this! I'm not able to earn as much money now because he beat me up the entire time of this relationship. Those sorts of arguments aren't necessarily going to um, succeed. And so, when you are getting um, getting to a mediation, you know that you're dealing with such a short period of time. There really isn't any wiggle room. The documents will speak for themselves, and it will probably come down to a, a fairly strict black and white. Um, percentage split 
as to who contributed what and putting a figure on the future needs for each party if there are the children involved um, will be a very difficult exercise but there needs to be that common sense commercial element because you're going to spend a lot more money fighting something that for a f- there's going to be a finite amount that's to be divided up. Well, you mentioned something really important then, which is about working out the future needs of the parties. We were talking about that a little bit earlier. And the element that's unknown at that point as to who's caring for the children for the next you know, decade, decade and a half, possibly longer. Would you think it's usually uh, a good idea to sort out the parenting before the property or do you do the property before the parenting in a short Depends relationship? Depends on who I act for. <laughs> okay. Because Let's if I'm acting for if I'm acting for the person who um, who wants to increase their um, share of the property and they're more than likely to receive, to have those kids, um, then I would most likely um, do the parenting first. Yep. and lock that deal away and then I can argue the need the further adjustment. Um, you you can rely on. upon that settled deal for yeah. the children because you're going to be the primary carer for them for X number of years or, or the, have the majority care for them so you will have a greater need for property. But I've had plenty of cases where I've been on the other side of that and where I've been for the party who may not be the one who's going to end up with the kids most of the time but you still there's still that argument there that they might. Yeah. So you have that threat of it hanging over there over the other party's head that that's what's going to happen and yep. so you you lock them into the property side of thing first that they haven't taken that future need there's that there's that question mark oh you may not get the kids so you better just agree on a lesser amount for your future need and once that happens you can lock them away on the property side of things and then they may end up with the kids anyway. So you've at least save yourself, save your client, I should say, um, a bit of a bit of money. Yeah. Well, look, I don't know about you, but when we talk about mediations and doing those at a relatively early stage, I find it quite difficult to run those mediations or to participate for my client where it deals with both property and parenting at the, on the same day. It's very hard to put the focus on one thing over the other, mm. and you normally find. Well, I, my experience is usually that only one of those issues will get resolved, and then you come back and do the other thing another day. So you'll find out very quickly where your clients' clients' interests lie, where the people actually, what well, things they actually care about. Are they worried about the time with the children and what arrangements they want to put in place for the children, or are they really worried about getting the finances sorted out first so they know where they stand before they commit to a parenting arrangement? Well, that's, that's when we usually de- um, are able to determine where our client really stands and what our client's real interests are because that's when they'll show their hands to us as to say, oh, no, we'll just hold off on the, yeah. we'll hold off on the parenting just yet, but we'll just try and lock away some, some property orders or something along those lines. And that's, you know, that's, that's fine. That's um, to each their own. But when we're talking about intermingling between the, the property and the children... Um, my mind, when you when you when someone talks about intermingling with property matters, I think of intermingling with another party. <laughs> so, I, I have a very different perspective on that, but yeah, but yours is more of a human thing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, my my first thought was, oh, are we talking about mistresses or are we talking about? Um, no, we're talking about children. But, if, See, well, but I, was th- is, I was thinking shared bank accounts oh, and stuff like that, intermingling where you, you you you're both making financial course, decisions yeah. together. Well, I was also thinking, though, that, and it's it's a valid point because often in short relationships, there has been an overlap between 
um, relationship number one and relationship number two. Sometimes it could even move on to relationship number three. But there, that makes it even more complicated because you're dealing with short relationships, um, particularly uh, where you've got the finances and the financial position of party number one or party number three that has to also be taken into account. That gets even more complex when we have other people involved in the relationship, not just a mistress sometimes. or a, you know, like I, I shouldn't have said mistress. That's really sexist. But, you know, look. <laughs> Point taken. Boy, uh, you know, external boyfriends and girlfriends yeah. outside of that relationship. Um, and then you've also got questions around if there are other children that the parties might have. Because right. we, we talk about a, a short relationship, and I think it's easy to sort of think in terms of, oh, we're only talking about young people here. But we're not. I mean, we, we live in a, in a world where people enter into an, an exit relationships at all different times in their lives. So they might be middle-aged, they could be more senior citizens. And it's well, how many husbands? Is it Joan Collins? She had a few, didn't she? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, well, I, I, you know, and I don't think she's had all her husbands right at the start of early, in her earlier years. She's had um, plenty throughout. It's I'm just, I think it's just a fact of life. And I, I think that particularly now where's where there's this attitude of get the kids out, now it's time to live, a lot more people, are, like older generation people, are having um, just getting out there, living life, you know, having a good time, um, ending up in these relationships and these do go sour, just they as do. any other relationship will. And then sometimes you'll have, you know, with as you say, the more mature couples that get together at a later stage in life, then there's every chance that there are adult children and even, you know, grandchildren that are, are kicking about who have got a bit of a vested interest in, you know, their mum or dad not giving away, you know, the, the family, you know, the family fortune to the, the new squeeze. Well, I do. I actually get quite a lot of inquiries about um, older, and I, I politely call them older people, um, who are starting relationships, who are wanting to protect themselves and protect their assets particularly for the sake of their children and grandchildren, by having a binding financial agreement, also known as a prenup. And that is such a common thing these days because they don't know how long this relationship's going to last. And mm. there's a there's a bit of a, um, it, you know, if someone, if they pass away or something like that, then it's all going to go to the, the new flame. And the succession rules don't particularly care too much as to how long the new flame has been hanging around for. No, no. I mean, we won't get into the succession act no. and, the, and the joys there. But the, you know, you mentioned the financial agreement and the prenup. You know, this is mm. the this is a document then that's intended to say, look, let's hope it's let's hope we stay together forever. But if it doesn't work out, this is the stuff I'm going to keep. This is the stuff you're going to keep, and that can be done you know, relatively straightforwardly. It can. You just need to work out what you're going to do in the event that you separate. And it's a very simple, straightforward agreement. You both have to disclose what you've got, though. There's no point um, going to all the trouble and expense of having a lawyer draw up um, documents and you know, hiding a few bank accounts here and there, or a few assets, because if it turns out that you have been hiding these things, then you're going that whole agreement, that, that money that you've spent, has just been thrown down the, down the drain... And you are um, that agreement's liable to be set aside, so and so you're open to having it all divided up anyway. And the timing of that agreement, then, we, I mean, we're talking about short relationships, and so it might be appropriate for somebody. I mean, 
it's, it can be a difficult conversation to have, you know, you know to your, you know, your new partner. I don't partner. trust you. I don't sign trust this. you. You sign this before, before you bring your toothbrush. Yeah, well, that's right. And, and there lies the land of litigation. But um, so it might be appropriate for somebody if they are, say, you know, in that the second generation or third generation of relationships and there's property that they want to protect for the sake of their, their, their family from beforehand. So it might be about jumping in. What sort of time should they be doing those financial agreements? I would think? I would think as soon as as soon as possible, as soon as they feel comfortable, they're gonna. It's a it's a uh, ideally then bef- before people move in together. Well, it's I guess they it's, they it's a tricky a house one or something. If they've bought a well, ideally before they've um put, you you would have thought that people would have had a bit of a chat about what's to happen, a bit of succession planning slash. Um, family law planning, if you can call it that, um, before parties buy yeah. property, but most people. Oh, but don't. the heart wants what it wants, That's doesn't right. it? You know, you, we, we do these things because it's going to last forever, right up until that moment when it doesn't. That's right. Um, but in terms of the timing, I think it all has to be on a case by case. I would always say the sooner the better, but it's a two way street, so you can't just have. It's not just one party demands it, and therefore it's. It's going to be in effect. Both parties have to agree to it. So it's if you're not going to be comfortable talking about it that's, with that other yeah. party, that's gone. It's <laughs> not going to be you something know, you can do, is it? If, that's that's right. You so have to choose then between the relationship and the agreement because yep. you can't have both by the sounds of that. Stage. No, you can't eat your carrot cake. What is it? Have your carrot? Have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> you can't have your carrot cake and eat it. That's right. That's it. Okay. All right. So short relationships. We. We've talked that they are probably five years and less. Sometimes they could be six, sometimes seven. It, it very much depends upon how that relationship's gone. I know there's cases that the courts have looked at where, for example, a couple have been together. Notionally, they get together, they move in together, but then one of them might work away or go overseas for a period of time in that relationship. And that can have a, the effect of turning you know, what could almost have been considered to be a medium relationship or a short to medium into back into a short term because the contributions issues again and the, and the co-mingling don't work quite so well if people are well, absent from right. one another. And, and when you're dealing with particularly de facto couples as opposed to it being a marriage because when although we've spoken about, use the word relationship, we do mean to include marriages here but when you're talking about a short de facto relationship um, and when you've got parties that may be working overseas, for example, they're flying in, flying out, they come and go, they've got separate finances, it's very difficult to prove. Mm. You may technically be together um, for eight or nine years, but because of what it looks like on paper, because you've rarely spent any time together, well, it may work out that you've only been together for three or four years and particularly the party who holds all the assets, they're going to be the one who says, no, 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 it was only a three or four year relationship. We weren't together for eight. Yeah. We separated, we went our separate ways after that There's and we've got the, I've got the documents to prove it. Mm, lots of squabbles about when a relationship began, when a relationship ended uh, and figuring out those dates can be disproportionately important, I think, in some people's minds. Yeah. Judges, in my experience, don't tend to get hung up too much on the month of the year, but it's more about the year. You know, because, mm. you know, if it's you know, January rather than March, that's fine. Because relationships, of course, nothing, nothing ever runs smooth in terms of separation. It can be a protracted separation that occurs through a series of mini leavings almost, and then it 
But if that happens over a number of years, as you were just talking about there, that gets to be quite, quite complex in working out how long this relationship is, how much uh, weight we should put on their contributions, especially the non-financial, because they are the ones that don't have a bank statement to say X dollars hit on that day and, and Y dollars went out on that day. Mm. Yeah. So, all right, if you're in a short relationship and you think it might be coming to an end, what do you do? Do you know? Do you want to know my honest answer or the the, the legalish answer? Well, let's stick. Let's start with the honest answer because it's um, unusual to hear that from a lawyer. So. Well, you probably what is it? Swipe left. Swipe. God, I don't know. I'm far too old for those kinds of things. <laughs> so, that's that would be no. Look, if you think it's going to come to an end, um, I'd probably start gathering my documents. Um, mm. I'd start getting access to things and making sure that things are in my name that I have control over passwords mm. and because that's oh that's really important actually isn't it you know, all your email accounts start changing your e- or just at least your, set up your bank new, logins and things like yeah, that set up new emails so that you've got something else that you can you know the amount of times i see um you know alex and liza at hotmail.com mm. no point emailing that no one's going to respond to that one but um you know it's like well can i can i email my client because it's saying it's going to him as well or is it you know there's that sort of issue that comes up so get your own email address a separate one get your own facebook account um all those sorts of things because these are things that are going to um be used as evidence if it does get messy yeah so from a a summary i suppose of where we stand with short relationships is that they are going to typically be five or less years but it could be a little bit longer sometimes that who gets what is almost impossible to know except on a case-by-case basis Um, the impact of children in that relationship could be quite significant in dealing with a financial separation so in other words if there are young children out of a short relationship that could have a big bearing on who gets what regardless as to initial contributions and subsequent contributions and if you think it's coming to an end then get in touch with you know, your lawyer, your family lawyer, and, and start working through you know, a, a sensible strategy to, to move forward. And be prepared to negotiate, be prepared to mediate. But whatever you do, you know, make sure that you speak to your, your local friendly family lawyer and get some good advice early in the stage. Very sage advice. <coughs> All right, well, thanks very much for listening to uh, Split Happens, Divorce Down Under podcast with myself, Alex, and Liza. And we'll talk to you again next time. Thanks for listening to Split Happens, the Divorce Down Under podcast. If you want to hear more of our episodes, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts on all good ones.